head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 235 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Christy Ring of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald, as we talk about a big week in the world of Irish MMA, a good week in some ways, a bad week in other ways, a dramatic week in other ways, but we'll talk about all that anyway. Graham, how are things? How are you? Good, good. Good win for Liverpool there. You seem to enjoy it. Well, look, we, we won't get into that, <laughs> but we don't, we don't have a, a spare two hours to talk about shit refereeing is and how Liverpool have been handed uh, Champions League and the league <laughs> because of referees in the last, what, six months. So, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, it's ex- literally exactly what happened. So. <laughs> Con- congratulations! On that, Absolutely anyway. destroyed Man City. What are you? Did Three, you watch the game, no? Yeah, the Man City were way better, and the referee literally <laughs> took one. And my my voice is fucking so bad. I just realised it because the music in Cork last night at K George was so fucking loud. I was just roaring all the time and talking to people and cheering on Liverpool, obviously. As well. Cheering on Liverpool. Yeah, fair play to him. Fair play to them. But um, anyway, let's get into this uh, K George's card first of all. Obviously, the UFC was last night as well. We'll get to that towards the end. Of the podcast i think the, the biggest card for people in this side of the world uh and for Ireland, in ireland anyway was definitely this uh, this cage warriors card um overall what did you think and I, I know you weren't there and i was there so i, I want to get your perspective on it what, what did you think of like the overall uh cage warriors watching it on tv what did it look like in the arena and things like that well, it looked like a smaller show. Like it, it didn't look like obviously a, a KSW or a Bellator show with all the production and the the huge crowd and all that. But we knew that going in with the arena it was in, and it's it's more for like you know the internet and for TV mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah, and like I like those I like those small shows. I don't know about you, but I like when it's kind of small like that, and uh, obviously uh, it can get very loud as well. Like in a, in a small place like that, it's it doesn't take away from the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. and- the arena, I suppose, first. I actually was surprised how good they got it looking. I said, I think I said it in last week's podcast that you know it's a pretty, it's a pretty shitty arena, on down through the years, especially from people who like me who went to UCC and had to do exams there and things. And they got it looking really, really well. I must say, now so credit to, to them. They they put up uh, big kind of blackboards around the the back of it and the cage wire signs and and screens and they had carpeting down and stuff. So that that's kind of a thing, you know. Having gone to cage legacy cards and stuff, and obviously cage legacy is a different sort of promotion to cage warriors don't have the money and stuff to do that so i'm, I'm not criticizing them but the fact that cage warriors were able to do that was a great thing and the atmosphere yeah the atmosphere is unbelievable you know it's i was talking to pizza about it last night and he was kind of saying that this was a throwback maybe the old days the helix days and things like that and obviously being at a couple of the helix cars with you know pindred versus shea mills and you know reds are bringing on big crowds there and, and the guys kind of coming up there was a bit like that because you had the crowd from Cork who, you know, I've seen it, those Cage Legacy cards as well, who followed their own unbelievable will. Like, Cork is a very different beast in terms of MMA. If people haven't been down at those Cage Legacy cards, maybe they don't know about it. But, they like, the Cork people could have sold that out last night, I think, by themselves because ju- there's just a rabid fan base down in Cork. So they all came out for John Mitchell and the Maguires and all the Cork crowd. Then um, uh, one of the lads from Cage Warriors told me that uh, Ian Gary himself sold 200 tickets and brought him down from Dublin. So that's in that arena. I think I think they were saying it was fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred, or something like that. So to sell like two hundred tickets and come down from from Dublin is a lot. There's a lot of tickets sold up north as well. So you'd all those coming down. You'd all different sort of fans there. You know, Decky McAleen and a good few fans as well down. So and and you know sometimes you you probably speak about this more than me because having been at the older shows and stuff that a lot of times when the the fights of the gym are over. A lot of the people from that gym will just kind of leave and go home. And maybe that's a bigger thing in, in Dublin because all the gyms are kind of in Dublin. So you could just like five minutes down the road. But everyone kind of stayed at Cage Warriors last night. You know, they were all there to the end. Like all the car crowd were cheering on Gary and Reese McKee at the end. And all the North, Northern Ireland crowd were cheering on Gary or whatever as well. Um, and it was... Uh, like it felt like a throwback to the, to the days in, in the Healy's going to those cards and Pete was kind of saying that as well even earlier than that and that's kind of good as well isn't it for Irish MMA that oh, in this week where we've had a lot of 
bickering in Irish MMA that are like kind of in one night they all come together and that is good isn't it yeah no it is like you know it's, we always talk about it it's so it's so badly needed mm-hmm. uh, Irish shows like uh, obviously they're, they're kind of making a little bit of a comeback um, recently but for a couple of years there it was pretty much non-existent bar Bellator and Bama at the time as well like the odd show and mm-hmm. um, these fighters just they need fights to progress to, to build fan bases to get get popular they need they, they need to fight in front of their fans and uh, need to fight in Ireland and kind of build a reputation here and uh, uh, it's it's just it's, it's terrible for these these guys um, because if you're you happen to be injured or your opponent pulls you might not get a chance to fight in Ireland for another six months mm-hmm. yeah that, that's very true and like uh, like if John McCoggan didn't get didn't get a didn't get an opponent last minute or whatever I know they said it was all sorted but uh, he you know, he probably have to go abroad to get a fight because he, he, he couldn't be waiting in Ireland for another show yeah it's tough it's very tough and you know I was talking to Ian Dean last night and he said no this is an opportunity as well for some other promoters obviously I and mean, we'll get into how the event went ahead and everything like that in a second but he was kind of saying that like cage warriors have got all these guys safe MMA approved they're absolutely cleared to fight so maybe another promoter can come in and use all of those guys that are not signed up for cage wars to put on a show and maybe it'll be a little bit cheaper and you know they can go about it because that's been the thing with Irish MMA over the last couple of years it's not just expense expense is part of it it's not just expense but to take away maybe that added extra expense and to have the guys already cleared might be you know, uh, a nod to someone. I know Cage Legacy are putting on a lot of cards. Maybe they could put on another one or something like that. Or some other promoter could come down to Cork even and put on uh, a card there. So I think that's it's not just a good night for Irish MMA last night. Or maybe KSW also, who had a lot of yeah. frustration the last time they came um, with the extra hassle. Maybe they could look at that and say, oh, well, we could do it that way in advance and not have to run around trying to fix things on five week. Yeah, that, that's exactly. Yeah, maybe maybe that's another thing that can happen. But I think after KSW came the last time, I don't think they're. They're the they're they're too uh, happy to be <laughs> running back straight away, but hopefully they do come back as well. But I suppose it, you know we talked about the event last week going ahead and it not being part of IWMWA. Um, I asked Graham Boylan about last week at the press conf or the the um the press day about the, the different costs and stuff. And uh, I think PT asked him about straight up about the IWMWA, and he said they had no part of it. We asked him again last night, uh, and he said the same thing, but that they, instead of going with the Irish Mixed Martial Arts Association, they were fully compliant with Safe MMA, and I think it was level five, they call it, clearance with Safe MMA, so everything was absolutely perfect. As you mentioned there, Joe McColgan, uh, his opponent wasn't medically cleared, so he didn't fight, and they got him a different opponent who was medically cleared to fight. So, all those safety regulations were there, but still, the IWMWA were not there, were not part of it, so... Um, as any people probably saw on Twitter, I got on to uh, to John Cavan and he was fairly gracious. He gave me a ring back, and I asked him that question. You know, because this is, I believe, the first event who was not not regulated and regulated in inverted commas there because the IWMWA are not a regulation body per se yet. They're trying to get there, but at the moment they have no, I suppose, legal backing or no official government status. Uh, but they have kind of either been in charge or ghosted every show, I believe, that's happened in Ireland. They ghost the events. I see Dino Wade is there at the Bellator events and at the ones like the, you know, the Cage Legacy and other events that have happened in Ireland, they bring kind of the judges and the, the commissioner and stuff as well. Um, so I asked John Cavan about that, that this was kind of the first show. Uh, and he said, you know, Cage Warriors came over and they have all that safe MMA approval. They're fully compliant with everything that we would want them to do so there's absolutely no problem running the show so that was you know that uh, that kind of hadn't been stated before by the irish mixed martial arts association so i suppose that's good because that gives leeway for cage warriors to come back again and this isn't really a conversation because you know as long as everything is medically cleared yeah the iwmwa are not going to get in the way of it and cage warriors can come back perfectly so that's I think that's maybe a, 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 a maybe not an argument that's over, but I think that maybe we won't have to worry about uh, again as we go forward. Now that leaves us in a situation where um, the IWMWA for the last few years has talked about them being that governing body and getting there and trying to be in charge of all of these cards, which. Uh, I think most people kind of said that we need it. Now, a lot of people don't like that organization, want a different organization, want it done differently, and some people don't want anything at all. But um, they have put themselves in 
that position to be the organisation over the last few years. And this kind of changes that a little bit. Because now a show can come to Ireland and run by itself. And I know maybe the argument will be Bellator, but they do work with Bellator as well, the commission side of it. So that's interesting to see how it goes from here. Will other shows try to come? Maybe, you know, you mentioned KSW. Will they try to come and um, run it themselves? Uh, and if they if they do, will they get purely safe MMA approved? I'm, I'm sure they will, but the last time they tried to have James McSweeney on the card and it was kind of stopped. Um, so it's, it's, in, it's an interesting debate, isn't it, Graham? Like, what, what do you think this kind of means for the IWMWA? Does it mean anything? Or, <laughs> or what do you, what's your kind of take on it? Um, yeah, well, I'd say they're happy enough. Like, you know, they if they don't have to be involved and if, if other promotions can run into the same standard or to the, the agreed standard, then I'm sure they're happy enough to, to let it happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys aren't getting paid for their roles. They're not like, you know, they're not... I don't think they're eager to interfere. If, if everything's above board, then there's no problem then. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing about it as well is, even if they did want to, uh, we uh, we did a scrum with Graham Bynan last night, and I asked him <laughs> the, the question, and he said that he wants nothing to do with the IWMWA. Obviously, and, uh, I didn't mention earlier on, but John Cavanagh is the president of that organization. That's why I, I contacted him. Um, and uh, Graham Bynan basically said that John Kavanagh has conflicts of interest all over the place. You know, he's a, a promoter, he is a manager, he is a trainer, and he's the head of the IWMWA, which is, you know, which is all true. I suppose, like, he's a promoter with this new promotion uh, that he just started, or, well, uh, his second event, I suppose, the Euro Fight Night. Uh, and also, you know, everyone's kind of saying he's a, he's a promoter with Bellator, you know, calling his gym straight, Bellator gym and all that. There's definitely a connection there, whether he's working for him or not. You know that that's a question he's answered before, and he said he isn't. So f- fair enough, but he definitely has a close close relationship with them. Also had an online kind of Twitter war with Graham Boylan before, um, and you know he's bring all his fighters, no fighters on the cage warriors card last night, and all his fighters basically are going to Bellator. So it's a weird thing that someone in that position, uh, where they're kind of placing themselves as maybe not placing themselves as the regulator but are placed as the regulator are regulating maybe a competition to themselves in a certain way whether it's you know Graham Boylan has his conflicts as well being a manager (laughs) you know maybe if it's just conflicted managers even that's a maybe a conflict between those two people so it's you know we've talked about this over and over before on the podcast but there's a lot of uh (laughs) you know in MMA it's such a small community there is a lot of overlap yeah I was going to use the word inbreeding but I don't think that sounds right but there's a lot of (laughs) of overlap in MMA and yeah it's it's an odd situation like I I I thought that this situation might blow up uh after or before this card but you know, talking to John Kavanagh and, and what he said that he was, you know, he, he said straight out he was happy to see Cage Warriors back and he was, he had no problem with the car going on. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I suppose, from his point side of it, there, uh, him, and we'll talk o- o- about other parts of kind of a drama <laughs> in a minute, but from his side of it, I think with Cage Warriors being there now, maybe Cage Warriors themselves and the Graham Boylan and putting his fighters on it, maybe that's another situation, but the cards themselves running, I think they're happy enough with it. Now, the other side, <laughs> Dane, as I mentioned earlier, is Graham Boylan and Cage Warriors not wanting to work with them? And I'm, you know, I asked Graham Boylan during the week if the relationship between him and John Kavanagh like could be repaired, and he's like, "There's no relationship, so kind of how can it be repaired?" And he kind of doubled down on that. So at the weekend, so it's, you know, it's it's a, I suppose it's a pity in a way, whichever side you take that, that there can't be a relationship there. Uh, and you know, obviously the biggest gym in the country isn't on the show, which is planning on running you know what four shows in the next year as well and they're they'll probably have no fighters on it so look it's it, i'd say the other gyms are pretty happy with the situation they are, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're and uh, we'll, we'll get to the fights and stuff in a minute but uh i suppose moving on from that then for another the, the kind of the second bit of the drama uh that went down and we, we're gonna i'm gonna break down the whole card in a second as well we'll talk about some fights yeah, yeah we'll talk about the fights but the other part of it this week as well and not to, the poor old john kevin's getting an awful doing of it here but um this week, obviously, Tom King came out, uh, the, uh, the head trainer with Chris Fields of Team KF, uh, and he put up a, a Facebook post with Paddy, uh, an excerpt from Paddy Hoolan's book as well, talking about the same thing, where after they started their uh, SBG affiliate gyms, I suppose you'd call them, uh, I think uh, maybe I think he said it was a year in. You can look at the post anyway. It's up on, on his Twitter, Tom King's Twitter. Uh, they said that John Kavanagh, said that he was starting a program where it costs 5,000 euro a year to uh, become basically an SPG affiliate and to use the the logo and everything like that. Now, 
I asked John Kavanagh for his side of the story as well when I spoke to him today, and he said this is a private matter. He wants to talk to them, and he kind of wants to keep it in private, obviously, which is his right to do. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get his side of it. I asked him. I, I went out and and I asked him about it, but he said he wants to keep it private, which is fair enough. But you know, this is this is a situation I've been thinking about all week <laughs> since it's broken, so kind of saying what to say about it, and I feel like this is a little bit like the Bellator versus Cage Warriors debate, and we had that debate on the podcast last week, where you know, if you're a fighter and you want to go to Bellator. You want to be a great fighter, you want to do the best you can, but you want to earn as much money as you possibly can as well. Uh, and maybe it's a little bit more short-term because there's a very much an unknown with Bellator whether it lasts and where you'll go with it. You know, I was talking to PC last night and he kind of made the point that a lot of people, they fight in Bellator and you don't know what their next fight is going to be. You know, Is it going to be a similar level? Is it going to be you know, a step down, like, who in Irish MMA is getting towards the title fight, maybe you could say James Gallagher, but who else, like, there's, and they've had four or five fights now in, in Bellator, and almost all of them, but in Cage Warriors, you're looking at Reese McKee, and he might fight for the title next, you're looking at Joe McColgan, and he might fight Paddy Plimbit in a big fight next, you're looking at Paul Hughes, and he wants to fight Adam Vinter, a guy who we know, and he wants to move on as well, and the guy's coming through, you know, kind of where they're going, Ian Dean is an absolute genius, there's been lots talked about him this week, so it's very much the... <sighs> And it's not just money, but it's very much kind of money versus I'm moving on, I want to get to the UFC, and this is where I want to go. And I feel like this thing that's kind of blown up between John Kavanagh and, you know, Team KF and the other gyms who have spoken about as well, is kind of a move from maybe the martial arts side of you to, like, the business side of you. Like, you know, John Kavanagh, and you, you could probably talk about this more than me, as you, you know him personally, you've been around him for a long time. John Kavanagh and Tom King were obviously great friends for years. I know when a friend of yours that you've helped build the gym and you were a huge part of building that gym and building that brand and getting it to where it got comes out yeah, in an first ever black belt, isn't it? And Tom yeah. King's John King, John Kavanagh's John King, John Kavanagh's first ever black belt. So obviously, it's like a special thing probably for just you black belt coach to to give his first black belt, and it's it's kind of sad in a way that the relationship has deteriorated. But you know, John obviously told you that he wants to talk about it privately, so hopefully, you know, they can sort it out. Yeah, I, I don't think like speaking to, to Tom and the lads last night. I don't think it. I don't think it can be sorted out. To be honest, I don't think they will sort it out. I think they're kind of like, and it's funny. Conor McGregor maybe was the the voice of reason on this oddly, and he kind of said, you know, he it was a pretty respectful boss. I thought to Tom King, and he said, okay, he said kind of the move on bit from it, and. I think that's true. I think then everyone needs to move on. But I also think it's important to kind of get these things out. Because in fairness, like, if what he said is true, and I have no reason to believe it's not, obviously, I asked John Kavanagh for his side of view as well, so I can only go on what's what's out there. But it's pretty bad form, in fairness. Like, if, you, if you're working with someone for that long and they help build a brand. And, like, the thing about this as well is, we can maybe pussyfoot around the issue that this has all happened because of Conor McGregor, you know, and him becoming so huge it made SBG this big thing. And obviously, John Cavan has going to profit off of that hugely. But the fact that he's trying... And this is going by the posts that are online. As I said, I asked him for his side of view. The fact that... Or not the, the, you know, the, if he is trying to profit, profit off of the likes of Paddy Hool and the likes of Tom King, who you know were in the trenches with him for years, that's pretty bad, in fairness. That is, that is pretty bad. Now, he might come out and give his side at some stage, and I'll, I'll change my view on it. But as of now, I feel like that... You know, that's that's pretty, pretty bad. And as someone who has, like, made lot, lots of money, uh, you know, he's opened a new gym and stuff to to kind of to do that to your gym. Like, fair enough, if, if someone wants to open one in Limerick, you know, an SBG, I don't know if there was is one there, but, like, an SBG, I don't know, in, you know, in Mayo or something. If yeah. someone's open one there. Fair, fair enough, enough if, but, yeah. if somebody comes along that you don't really have a long-standing relationship with and they want to open an SBG and you're, like, five grand or whatever, this is the deal. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, in theory, like, you know, it makes sense, but, you know, you should be cutting... You know, people like Paddy Hulan and Tom King, Chris Fields with you for a long time. You know, John knows how hard it is to start up. Well, like it's obviously easier to start a new gym now, like because of John Cavanaugh's gym and Conor McGregor, as you mentioned, and all. But it's still difficult. And five grand a year, it's probably a, a lot of a big chunk of, of these. These guys aren't rolling in money. Like people have this perception that all these MMA yeah. guys are rolling in money. And there's a couple of people rolling in money, but that's about it. Like, yeah. like you, you know, it, it, yeah, like, like it makes sense business-wise to, to do that, but for, for your mates, you think you should be like... And I, in the thing, it said, like, oh, it, it was said that it was going to be waived, and then it wasn't waived for, for these guys, or they were removed from groups, or yeah. this kind of thing. It just seems like, you know, at least have it out, like, together and discuss the situation. Don't just 
kick people out of groups. Like, come on. Yeah, and I think there's that mindset as well. You know, I mentioned kind of the martial arts versus the business sort of thing. And I think, you know, martial arts is very much about respect and friendship and a group mentality. Um, and kind of when someone who, who you have done that with for years kind of goes the opposite way to that thing and they're very much juxtaposed the, the the business versus martial arts and now martial arts becomes a business as well because you know we we talk about the, the i don't know we kind of joke about it a little bit giving people belts to keep them there and everything you know but it it does become that but it yeah it just felt wrong like to me and uh, you know my uh, what it might change over the, over the next while and stuff when, when john cavanagh comes out if they can chat about it hopefully it can it can all be in result but i you know there's the bit of needle and Irish MMA is good too, isn't it? Like hopefully the we can we can get some fights between these two teams. Have a bit of you know, have a bit of a rivalry. You know, we you know Irish MMA. I feel like it's it, for the last few years. Yeah, well, when the next the next time a fighter from a SBG Con- or not Concord SBG HQ yeah. yeah fights against uh, one of Tom and, and Chris Fields' guys, then it's it's going to have an extra a lot of extra uh, oomph behind it from the fans and from from everybody, and it's. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll make the fights bigger and it'll be good like that. But yeah, it's just it seems it's good to have it out there though, as you say. Like you know, it's, it's a lot of times you hear like whispers about yeah. things, but you you can't get people on record or you can't people don't you know obviously you don't want drama. You don't you don't need to share your drama with, with publicly. But um, you know it's it's it's. I haven't actually got around to reading Paddy Hoodan's book, but uh, I got a copy in the post. Uh, the oh, other day, I got so. no copy. Fuck's sake, bad farm petting. Where's my copy? You can see me down that one when you're when you're finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, 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 everyone is. I actually spoke to three or four people last night who've read it, and they all told me to get it. It's a great book. So anyone who's out there who wants to get it, they definitely get it. And uh, you know, support. Go out there and buy it. Cheapskate. Support yeah. Paddy Hoodan. What's yeah, wrong with you? That's a bad, bad farm. No. <laughs> the government, the government robbing from us again. He's part of the government now, isn't he? Government robbing from us again. Fuck's sake. Obviously, yeah. obviously, <laughs> but um, I suppose we better talk about these fights. Some fights. Yeah, for some fights. Uh, so, like as I mentioned at the start, it was a, a fantastic atmosphere. Lots of fans around there and everything, and some pretty good fights as well. Like you look up through the amateur uh, undercard there, Palahan looked very, very good again. Obviously, bringing bringing a big car crowd. Uh, he wins for Michael Prendergast, Keith Dean, uh, Graham Sheehan as well. Shout out to Team Sheehan there. Uh, Connor Saunders and Jay Taylor as well. Uh, one of Chris Fields' the same team. KF, uh, Ormer and Shabbat, uh, he got a good win as well, unanimous decision there, and he came in, gave a good interview as well after that's up and up on Severe May right now. Uh, Cahill Manning got a, a second round TKO, you know, a strong guy as well, went in and looked good there. Decky McAleenan, fantastic performance. Andrew's well. boy. Andrew's boy. boy. Did you hear my uh, my interview with him? He said, <laughs> I was the best line I've ever delivered in an interview. He said he's expecting a baby, I think, in the new year, and I was like, Arish, you'll have plenty of experience looking after Andrew McGann for the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> We all do. We all do. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're indeed. all we're all prepped for fatherhood. <laughs> we are. We definitely are. It'll just it'll be a cakewalk compared to looking after Andrew. But yeah, but Decky Decky was very good. You know, he showed off a lot in the feet. You know, in his last few fights, he's maybe had trouble with the with, with the judges, and he's fought a lot on on the ground, and he's just good ground game, dangerous off his back with elbows and things. But he showed good striking, this good leg kicks and all. I won thirty twenty six in all three cards, so that tells you how dominant um, he was there. Uh, Manny Akban had a very good win as well against Jack McGuire. Uh, talking to the lads afterwards from Cage Warriors, saying that Manny was looking for um, looking for fights all over the UK and found it very hard to get fights. And he comes here in here into the Lions Inn against Jack McGuire. You know, if anyone who knows Irish MMA knows the, the McGuire brothers down in Cork are bring a, a rabid fan base and are very very good fighters as well. And he did a great job here. He won the, the unanimous decision, so fair play to him. And I'm sure Jack McGuire uh, will be back again. And Nathan Fletcher defeated Kieran Mulholland versus second round submission with the the rear naked choke. Uh, and then we the the kind of the four big fights for me like John Mitchell. I have to mention him especially because we 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 look at the other lads and we we know all the other lads and we know Paul Hughes as well coming through. But I think John Mitchell is the next guy to join those. Being a like. I was really, 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 really impressed with John Mitchell. He reminded me of TJ Dillashaw the way he fought, and he was fighting Eric Nolan as well, who's no joke. And I, I, I think Paul. Yeah, Edwin I mentioned was, before, yeah. uh, like you know how tough he is, and you know he never, he never gives up, and he's in some absolute barn burners. The more stands out is Lee Hammond, like we, mm-hmm. like a re- another really good amateur. Uh, so like you know you might look at his record and say, oh, now he's one and two, but he, he's definitely a big test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, it was a very, very good fight. You know, Eric Nolan was coming out, and he was throwing 
on the fucking that hammer left hand all the time. I, I was just going to say there, Paul Redmond was saying maybe he's a little bit small and he carries a bit of weight, so maybe he should go down in uh, go down in uh, weight divisions. But featherweight, yeah, I think um, I think John Mitchell he fought very very well. He was looking for that high kick all night. The chin on Eric Holland is something else. He kind of bursted up his nose with jabs as well as towards the, kind of the midpoint of the fight. Just looked really good, changing stances, his, his foot movement, he kicking to the body, kicking up high, you know, when it opened up, and Eric Nolan has, has some chin, I'm telling you. But it was a relatively close fight as well, you know, a couple of the lads there thought um, thought that Eric Nolan had won the first round. Obviously, I always say it, the worst place ever to, to judge is from press row, uh, and I, I, I wouldn't say it totally, but I, I thought he won, you know, all three rounds, if not if not, uh, if not two of the three, but... Yeah, this is a guy people. You're just saying he went three rounds because Cartilage just scored it that way, aren't did you? Oh, did he? I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oglesby had a 29-28, and, oh, and the other judge had a 30-27. Actually, I uh, did I tell you a story? I don't know if this is true or not, but like, yesterday when we came in, right? Uh, I was I was talking to to Ben Cartilage and uh, Barry Oglesby. Like, I I don't know, he got stuck in traffic or something, and it was like three minutes before the fight and he's like we've only fucking two <laughs> judges here and he was uh, ben Gart was like you can sit down there and judge the first amateur fight if he doesn't show up and I was like yes <laughs> put me in coach put me in and then Barry Oggsby turned up fuck it I was gone mad I went, I really wanted to judge that fight I don't know if it, I don't know if it actually would have happened where I would have judged the fight but I would have absolutely loved maybe it maybe definitely not I was like, no that probably not probably not but uh, yeah John Mitchell very very good wouldn't trust um, you to, to judge a hot dog contest hot dog eating contest he gave out to you last time for, <laughs> for saying this fuck Ben I'll say it how I want <laughs> never Liked it, wouldn't trust you with a Christmas card, but uh, Ian Gary, then uh, uh you know, the, coming into the card, we talked about it last week, it felt like he was the main event because of that interview. You know, Sean Blessed that that interview that I did with him, uh, and it went all over the place, and there was pressure on him here, you know, with the whole. With the whole Bellator tweeting him back and James Gallagher tweeting about him and Aaron Chalmers' his manager tweeting about him and loads of people all around, you know, that that's an added bit of pressure as well. And you know, talking and to it was no, you know, the guy who had like you know a lot of good fights at amateur, good wins, and obviously his pro wins weren't against any any good guys, but he he wasn't wasn't a can like you know he yeah. he you have all this pressure on you and you have probably the biggest test of your pro career so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was only his third fight, obviously as well. But you know, um. Matt Figlack, it was his third fight, obviously, with both 2-0. And, and I haven't watched him a few fights, you know, as you mentioned there. He like he looked like a good fighter. And he came in and he cracked Gary immediately. You know, almost, maybe not almost knocked him out, but knocked him backwards and was kind of coming forward. And Gary dropped those hands, maybe getting a, a little bit cocky in there. And I was talking to the lads last night and they were kind of worried about that. But that's something... That's something I think that needs to happen early in your career. This is this, this third fight. Like People can grow out of that. People will... He'll go back and watch that fight and he'll go, what the fuck was I doing there? I, I need to be getting my hands up and moving rather than just moving backwards and you know waiting to be fucking punched again. But he came through and anyway... It's funny because the first fight uh, against um, against James Sheehan, he, he almost knocked him out at the very, very start but broke his hand, I think, on the same punch. Uh, and he kind of came through it like that. And this was another one where it was, you know, a big happening at the very start of the fight. And he came through it again. So I think it shows, you know, we talk about it with fighters all the time. They have the skills, maybe they have the athleticism. But they do they have, you know, maybe not heart is the right word. But do they have, like, the, um, the coolness to come through something? And it looked like, you know, in, in that James Sheehan fight, he did it with the broken hand. And last night again, after getting dropped, he came back and he won via via rear naked choke in, in the first round. It was funny because before the fight, the uh, you know Graham um, Boylan kind of cuts this promo on all the fighters and talks about him, and he was kind of saying that um, ragging uh, on his grappling, yeah, gra- ragging on his grappling, and he came in and, and he uh, oh grappled him, looked really good on the ground, and it was funny because. Uh, before his last fight, I was talking to him on the podcast, and uh, we kind of ended the podcast. And he goes, "Here, this I'm going to end the fight. I'm going to punch him a few times to the body, open up his head, and then I'm going to rear naked choke him." And that's exactly how he finished this fight. So I was like, the second he did it, I was, I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, he, he thought he was going to do that." So you know, talking to Tom King last night about jujitsu, he's obviously probably one of the top two or three best jujitsu players in Ireland. Not that I know much about that, but he's a great man to have in your corner if. As you know, a lot of people would say he's a very, very good striker, and he's still improving in all the other fights. It doesn't even work, Sean. Does it? I, mm-hmm. I literally had about an hour discussion about that last night, but we, we won't get into that. It was, it was fun though. But yeah, look, Ian Gary, one of the top prospects in Ireland, one of the top prospects in Europe. Just 
a very very good guy lots of lots of things still to work on lots of things still to improve on um but look he's in the right place to do it seems to have a great team behind him with team pf and and as i mentioned tom king and chris fields and training with james webb as well who's the middleweight champion that's always good to have a guy like that there with you and you know the the, the other guy in the card last night as well uh omar is uh is a welterweight as well so i'm sure having him in the gym as well uh really really helps so fair play to uh obviously yeah. you've been you've been championing championing yeah. uh, ian gary for a while and after seeing him in in the flesh and his third fight do you still have the same confidence that he's going to go all the way or not all the way but to a very high level or are you a bit more tentative no i, I still yeah i still think he's really really good like there, there's a thing in mma as well that like and i remember when when james galler signed for bellator uh, i kind of put out this tweet saying that he needs lots of more fights to improve he has the ability he can get there but will he get there and it's the same for everyone but if no, you put in like you know you put in conor mcgregor you put in habib when in their fourth or fifth what was james galler when he signed four and yeah. four and oh five and mm-hmm. like yeah i mean emotional malpractice as exactly. uh, your, your boy your boy luke thomas would say that that's exactly it yeah that's exactly my point so ian gary right now is not going to be the best fighter in the world no but ian gary in five fights in six fights in ten fights will he be a top guy will he be a cage warrior champion will he get to the ufc will he maybe get into the top five or whatever i think he has that potential 100 percent. no i'm not i'm not getting away from that definitely but he has to go out and do it and you know he seems to have a good family around him he seems to be a you know good guy himself he's very athletic very strong hits hard improving the ground game all the aspects that he needs are right there and you know, as Conor McGregor said in that interview with uh, with Ariel, uh, you know, the world is in front of you. You can either stomp it down or you can help use it to rise you up. So that's uh, not not to go too uh, inspirational quote there too early in the podcast. But that's where Ian Gary is at the moment, and uh, yeah, he's definitely a definitely a huge prospect. But um, the next one then was was Joe, Joe McCulligan against Robbie Scott, who was a bit of a a bit of a mad lad. He's a, I like Robbie Scott. You know, he came in, he took this fight, he talked no bullshit. He did a great interview with Andy Stevenson. Um, you know, his record was up on topology and i did that show and i just kind of shot all over his record and then he sent me that his actual record i was like oh sorry so i apologize for that but look gamer coming in against joe mccolgan we all know how good joe is uh and he came in and and he took the fight in fairness but joe got him out of there pretty quickly and got him uh, with a dash choke uh in the first round what do you think of joe's performance here yeah well like you know there's not much in it like uh he he kind of got the joke pretty early nice dash joke uh he very very well rounded he just he 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 just kind of has been unlucky over the years with injuries and stuff like that and pull outs nearly had another pull out or had another pull out before this one and get another opponent so he's probably thinking deja vu like and he's probably you know he's not he's not he's not young he's not one of these Ian Gary guys who has a lot of time to mess around with it like and improve he's a much exactly sure what age Joe McCoggan is but he's early 30s I think so you know he kind of has to make it happen and he, he needs to get fights and for, like you know we were mentioning earlier about guys needing fights if Joe McCoggan was or if shows were were running at the same pace they were three or four years ago Joe McCoggan probably have an extra five or six fights on his record that he doesn't have now mm-hmm. yeah that, that's very true and the thing about it as well I was actually talking to Joe about it last night and he agreed you know what he fought Peter Creeley very early in his career and won that fight and when you do that when you beat someone as good as Quigley, who's been around for a long time, and as we saw against Ryan Scobie, he's a tough fucking guy to beat, and Joe McCall can beat him. Like, when you do that so early in your career, that kind of lofts you to a place beyond where you actually are in your career, if you know what I mean. Like, he only had, you know, probably less than an hour's experience inside in, in the cage, and he's fought, what, five or six fights or whatever it is. That's not much experience to be kind of vaulting yourself into a position where people are talking about him fighting Paddy Pimblett and, and different people like that. And he's still very, very young in his career, and he's fought some, you know, Joy Herbert and other very uh, good guys. That His last fight was an unbelievable, you know, smash him up and <laughs> draw over, over three rounds. And uh, he, you know, he kind of alluded at himself. I need more time. I need more fights, and maybe three or four more fights, he'll get to where exactly he wants to get to. I know we talked about it in the last podcast as well. And I asked him in the the scrum last night about you know you talk about Joe McColgan and I talk about Joe McColgan. We probably look at him as a striker. You know, he's really, really, really good boxing. But every win in his career has uh, every finish in his career. Sorry, has been by submission. He's never knocked anyone out. So you know we. When that comes, and I think, you know, I asked him last night, do you kind of look at someone like Masvidal, who goes to a lot of decisions and not, maybe he's not locking, knocking guys out, and then something clicks, and he starts, you know, switching lads, you know, blue screening lads. Like, 
do you look at lads like that and maybe say something will click at some stage? And he he kind of agreed with me and he said his coaches are saying something like that as well. So if that does happen, you know, it's not a guarantee as well. Maybe it'll never happen. But if it does, and it, like when you're doing the right things like him and when you're looking as, as uh, calm and collected in the cage and throwing your shots as well as him, I think it will come. And when it does, like he's good on the ground. He's good everywhere. He's, you know, he's a tough motherfucker. He can go through those three rounds as we saw in his last fight as well. John McCoggan's going to be a tough fight for anyone. I'd, I'd love to see that Paddy Bimler fight. Would you like to see that as well? Yeah, I would, yeah. But just touching on what you kind of said about the, the Queely thing. Um, mm. You know, he goes in there against Arnold Quiros right after, a guy with, what, 18, 17, 18 fights and loses a split decision. You know, he, he never would have been in that fight uh, if he, if he had, you know, hadn't made his pro debut against a kind of known known guy, known high-quality Europe or regional guy in, in Peter Queely. Yeah, you know he's lost to Arnold Quiro by split decision, and then obviously the Joy Herbert fight. Um, but we look what Joy Herbert's been doing since. And besides that, Joe McCoggan's record records clean. Like obviously those two losses are, are, are always going to be on there. But he has some some good wins against guys like you know Sean Carter, mm-hmm. uh, who's another experienced guy. And obviously that was another close decision. And you know uh, maybe it was if if it wasn't for the the, the Queedy fight, kind of. Then that wouldn't happen either. But he's he's come he's come through with a very close decision off to Arnold Quiro and a good decision, close decision win against Sean Carter. So mm-hmm. he's kind of learning on the job nearly. Like you know, uh, maybe you know we we talk about his amateur record before he he went in there against. Uh, against Queedy saying like you know don't write this guy off he's he's beating these guys who are we've seen we, we know they're good they're good amateur guys and uh he obviously had that win over Tom Hogan as well yeah. so you know it, it, it's, a, it's a tough situation but it, it does make sense to put him in there against a the name because people are like you know he's not as I said earlier he's not one of these young up-and-coming guys he, he kind of needs to make things happen now mm-hmm. and it, it's the risk you take and he's like you know it's gonna be a, it's gonna be hard for a guy like that to get to get fights against guys who are starting their career because they just seen what he did to Quilly and they're like or yeah. Peter Quilly and they're like I'm not going to take that fight that's true yeah that is it's like this guy's like like after beating a, after beating an what, 8 and 2 guy uh, like pretty handily like you know it wasn't it wasn't a disputed decision uh, I, don't, I don't think mm-hmm. I, I can't remember exactly but Quilly fight was uh, it yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no, he won that. Yeah, pretty handy. I don't think it was that disputed. You know, so if you're looking at that and you're like, what, want to know in your career or something, you're not going to want to. Yeah. Like some guys will, but you're, you're going to have a depleted pool of uh, people looking to fight you. So it, it's kind of like, it's great to get that win and kind of prove yourself and get all the, the adulation and kind of all, everything you've worked for for so many years. But it does put you in, in a situation where you're going to have to fight much better guys than really you should be at the time. Yeah, that, that's exactly. It. And you know, his, his team at Paul Sorry, Hughes. Sorry, that was a bit long winded. Yeah, that <laughs> was a good point, though. I liked it. His team at Paul Hughes was there last night and you know there's talks of them cage warriors going to belfast uh to early next year and he, he kind of he called out adam vintra in an interview we did with him all of these are up in severe men's youtube you can check them out there so you know that might be maybe even a, even if it's not in belfast maybe it'll be a liverpool card with the vintra hughes fight and and paddy pimlet versus joe mccall you know paddy pimlet's fighting in a couple of weeks time against uh donovan, uh, donovan desme uh, i believe and i think I don't know if it's official yet, but I think Joy Herbert, lots of people are talking about, you know, he's going to be signed for the UFC. He's very close to be to going there. So that Cage Warriors lightweight belt is going to be up for grabs. So maybe that's a fight, you know, that could happen for the Cage Warriors lightweight belt. You know, if Paddy gets through Desmond, which is no easy task as well. We'll be talking about that next week because it's, it's two weeks away. Um, so yeah, that that'd be a good fight. And James Webb is on that that card as well. I spoke to him last night, so that's up and up on Severe as well, and he's going to be def- uh, defending his title in that. It was a draw in his last fight, so that's the rematch there. So yeah, big card coming up in two weeks as well. So we'll hear a lot about that. But Reese McKee in the main event, then I suppose <laughs> the, tr- the top three fights were the ones everyone was looking forward to for the whole week, and they ended in a total of like what four minutes. <laughs> they ended all all very quickly. So it was a it was a long night, but in a short night at the end. Uh, and Reese went to like. Joe McCoggan said it I think it was Joe McCoggan said it afterwards that he's kind of just the dead touch when Reese touches you at times he just puts your lights out and he he knocked down Hack and Foss with a jab and it was basically over at that stage and not everyone knows listen to this podcast that I fucking love jabs and he throws that jab very well John Mitchell threw his jab very as well, very well as well Ian Gary was throwing his jab well there was a lot of good jabbing on this guard I, I was a big fan of, of, of and for a man who loves jabs <laughs> for a man who loves jabs yeah it was very good what do you think of, of Reese's performance and that power and that fucking jab was unreal wasn't it yeah, it's the, it's the, the pop and the, the snap and the punches that, you know, we've seen it there from, from Reese in most of his fights and the fights that we haven't seen and, you know, the Tim Barnett first loss, he obviously cut a lot of weight and his his coach, Roddy Moore, was saying even when he was hitting pads in the back, there was no power and it was just, 
just a shadow of himself. And yeah. and now that he's up there at welterweight, though, that won't be a problem anymore. You know, that's it shouldn't be a problem anymore anyway. So that's one less thing to worry about. And you can you don't have to worry about cutting all this weight and um, stressing about this this kind of thing. You just have to have more time to focus on actually improving your game and adding to what is already a really good base skill set that he has there. Like uh, he's he's you look at like the, you know, Joy Herbert again, the guy he beat like, and look what he's doing and. Uh, like he's on the verge of time for the UFC, and uh, Reese must be must be close as well now. Like if if the UFC were to come to to Dublin or to Belfast or even even to the UK soon, he should be on a show to get on the card. I think he's he's ready. Obviously, a couple of two or three, maybe more fights wouldn't wouldn't uh, would be, would be a benefit to him. But yeah. but you know, it's 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 kind of. He's been around for a long time. It's time to kind of start making that step up and getting paid in, in his mind, I'd say, as well. Mm-hmm. He was talking last night in the scrum as well about maybe fighting Alex Lahore, and I think maybe PT had him on his podcast talking about that before as well. So that's a fight that's kind of been brewing for a while. Like, that's a good win. If you can get that fight and get that win at Welterweight, as you mentioned, you know, his first fight at Welterweight last night. So if you can get kind of that name win at Welterweight, and everyone knows, obviously, Alex Lahore, that would be no easy fight either. Um, so... You know, if he could get that fight, you know, that might be enough to get him signed for UFC with that with that win. So that's you know, there's big fights coming up for for East McGee over next while as well. Headlining here, he did a great job. A lot, lot of uh, a lot of fans with him, as I mentioned earlier on as well. So you know, Reese is kind of a he's a quiet guy, but he's 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 one of those lads that's very unassuming. And when you kind of listen to him, there's kind of a I don't know, gen- what's it, genuineness? Is genuineness a word? And honesty, yeah. Yeah, 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 there is. And that's unusual in him, <laughs> really. Even afterwards, you know, kind of standing around, just talking to people, he's, he seems like a really genuine, nice guy as well. So it's always good to to see uh you know to, to see that as well in, in MMA and all the rest of them are only short of pricks anyway so <laughs> I never liked any of them. Uh, right. Any any closing thoughts in Cage Warriors, Graham? I had I had a great time anyway. Yeah, you did. Yeah, uh, how would you compare it to you know uh, the experience of a uh, Bellator KSW in, in Dublin? It's it's different. Like in in a lot of I, I think for a fan it's way more fun because. At those shows, you feel like you're way more part of it because you're everyone is really close. Like the where we were in, in we had a, a kind of a balcony room where we could do the interviews and stuff, and we were like probably the furthest away people in the whole venue, but we were still right alongside it. You know, you could you could look, you could almost you know throw throw a stone and hit the hit the fighters. You were so close to them, and there's a different you know when you're in those big arenas. Now some some seats are the same and stuff, but they, there's there's something different with them. You know, for the fans, but for uh, from a media point of view, uh. <sighs> You know, there's there's problems with uh, everywhere we go and cover media because it's hard not to have problems just with the sound and things and everything. And you know, ugh, I don't know, it's a bit odd, but neither of them are perfect to be honest. So it's a it's a fifty fifty for me. But for covering it itself, like I really enjoy I really enjoyed that Bellator media day that we did like six weeks before the fight because no one was kind of cutting weight and they were all kind of happy and everything. And I actually enjoyed the one before as well because Richard Kiley nearly killed me, but. Um, you know, on the uh, the the fights, the post fight interviews last night were, I think, like some of the best because everyone kind of had something to say. You know, Ian Gary came out and he was buzzing after that win. You know, John John McCulgan came into the came into the the uh, the press room and he pulled off his t shirt and goes, "Come on, let's do this interview." You know, and he was bang up for doing it. Um, uh, yeah, because Keane, you know when these yeah. guys don't have fights uh, lined up in Ireland, we don't we like you know they don't get interviewed and they don't have a chance to kind of say what they want to say what they. They feel they need to say so they're they're, they're waiting for their chance and uh, to, to kind of put their their personality out there mm-hmm. and you know it's good to see them. A lot of people in the past, maybe a lot of fighters don't grasp that you need to yeah. you need to do this. You need to make it happen. Guys wouldn't even do interviews sometimes, or would just give you terrible answers and just you know one word answers or two word answers give you nothing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think more and more fighters realize that like you know nothing's going to happen unless I make it happen. Yeah, that's exactly. And I feel like this week as well kind of led to that because there's been so much talk and, you know, from the interview I did with Gary talking about uh, Cage Warriors versus Jeez, Bellator. Jesus, you should look at your interview with Gary. Jesus Christ, <laughs> And then to the whole drama between, you know, uh, Tom King and Paddy Hoolan and John Cavanagh and all those other people. You know, everyone kind of, I feel like, had a bit of a point to prove and that led for us to, to some great interviews and I'm sure for the fans as well watching they were, they were, they were fantastic as well. And for the fighters, it's really good. As you mentioned, you know, you know, they, they they don't just sing for their supper like that. You know, they they have to they have to do it. You know, they have to do it in, in both ways. They have to talk and they have to uh, they have to fight as well. And all of them did that very very well at the weekend. So I couldn't fault them uh, for for doing that. But um, 
yeah looking forward to the next one hopefully they come back again all the the cage warriors crowd really really nice and you know it's great i love going to the, those bellator shows i love going to the cage warrior shows when ksw came as well fantastic cage legacy as well so look if this leads to more shows uh, it'd be absolutely great you know non-cage warrior shows if it leads to more cage warrior shows it'd be great i hope bellator keep going because it's great for everyone now there's we've there's loads of more arguments as well and i suppose an argument for another day how sustainable it is in terms of bellator and if cage warriors will keep coming back and everything but i suppose time will tell on that as well but look it's great to have all these fighters getting opportunities again after having for a long time we hope there's more there badly needs to be more especially for the early pros coming through uh but uh, there might be some light at the end of the tunnel finally so there you go right let's talk about this ufc card we're going to make this quick because i didn't see much of it i saw, I saw the i watched the, the top two fights and saw bits and pieces uh of the rest what do you think of greg hardy versus alexander volkov um yeah well i think like you know uh obviously volkov destroyed him pretty much but uh, like dominated but he wasn't as dominant as maybe we thought it would be mm-hmm. uh greg hardy showed maybe a little bit that he's a little bit more than just like a, a NFL guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? With a lot of power, he has a, a little bit more to him. Maybe obviously Volkov isn't exactly, you know, upper echelon as people love when I say. <laughs> but uh, his striking is 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 way better than Greg Hardy's. But he managed to kind of find a way to to stay in there, kind of just about, um, and kind of show that he's that, that he's a tough guy and that you know if things don't go his way, he can still hang in there and be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. The thing about this and he's early well, in his career as well, you yeah. know, like he's fighting a guy with nearly forty fights. Uh, he's he, it was Greg Hardy's seventh seventh fight, mm-hmm. and Volkov has thirty eight fights now. So you know, it's it's a lot of fights. So it's a big discrepancy in experience. Yeah, and uh, the first it's probably you know, like we probably learned, like you know, we, we probably got more respect. Greg Hardy probably got more respect in terms of his fighting ability for for this getting dominated in this than even for his, his KO oh, wins yeah. against Cans, like yeah. 100% definitely like the first round in this was a, a very even round I thought Hardy could have even won I just I think I just barely gave it to Volkov but I think maybe it was in late in the first or maybe early in the second it looked like he broke his arm and they showed the road uh, the replay a couple of times he couldn't really throw that right hand but he you know he stayed in there and he was game but you know talking about like you know talking about the Gary thing earlier on where he got hit hard and you know to show you know a little bit of um not, you, you know that you don't have the experience in there for a second, but he got it back quickly, and that's something you'll grow from and learn from. I feel like the same with with Greg Hardy. Now, having a broken arm is going to be fucking tough to deal with, whatever way you're there, but a more experienced fighter with maybe a more well-rounded skill set could have found ways to get around it a little bit better maybe but whether that's a takedown or pushing a guy against defense or changing stances at different times to give him different looks um and he didn't really do that no he stayed in there and his corner told him to flash the right hand into the face just to to kind of change it up a bit and he did that pretty well but at, at that point when that injury took apart Volkov just kind of started jabbing him up and he wasn't landing much hardy Uh, he landed a couple of good shots but he wasn't landing enough and I think Volkov just kind of took over but look in that first round especially I agree with you he he showed that he's not a you know he's not a terrible fighter whatever you say about him outside of the cage might might be a different thing but um, yeah look he definitely showed that he has some promise there anyway and uh, a good win for Alexander Volkov at the same time um down through the card in Danny Roberts got a win. Ed Herman, uh, Anthony Rocco Martin. Um, I believe Habib's brother lost did he? He got uh, he got submitted. I think Connor was tweeting some stuff about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, it's no, no interest in talking about that sort of drama. Not, no, I'm not about SVG drama for one, no, one thing, so I leave that. Uh, and in the main event, in uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, hashtag Team Sheehan, came in there and decimated Calvin Cater for two of the three rounds anyway. The, the first two rounds. The only issue and the only problem I have with Magomed Sharapov is his cardio. Spends too much. Spends too much energy. Spends too much energy. And he gets into that third round and every fucking fight nearly, it it happens to him. He kind of gets tired. But my fucking God, what a two rounds. He's so good, isn't he? He's fucking brilliant. He is. He is very, like, you know, he looks brilliant. But then if you go in there against a really top guy and you're ridiculously tired in the third round, that's trouble. Mm -hmm. He needs yeah. to sort that out, like, you know, it, it may be just a thing of, of just calming down a little bit, like, when you have somebody hurt, like, uh, not expending too much energy, but it seems to happen time and time again. Obviously, he's it's a, it's a big win, it's a step up, it's the biggest win of his career, and he's a massive prospect, but with that massive prospect tag, you kind of have to look at, you and look at them and judge them a little bit. 
differently nearly um and you kind of expect more and it's it's a, it's a worry if you do step up against some of the some of the guys in 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 the division at the, at the upper echelon of the 45 division is a, is a 145 division is a lot of a lot of good guys there like and uh, guys who will you know Qatar obviously is a, is a really good fighter like uh, 20 wins like uh, is obviously four losses is, is a very very good record but he's not a proven upper echelon guy and uh, it's it's it, I'm going to be interested to see like you know can he can he sort to say like it, it's a recurring problem now it's not just a, it happened a couple of times now it, it, it keeps happening yeah and look at his record here he's never fought five rounds as well like and that's how uh, you know I talk about it a lot now he'd have now. to fight differently if he was in a yeah, five round fight yeah he'd have to fight differently but can he adjust and be as good if he's fighting in the five round fight like to me I think he has a perfect style for, for Max Holloway, I think. I, I think he has a brilliant style to beat Max Holloway. But he's not going to beat Max Holloway in two rounds. He's going to have to keep that going for three or four or five rounds. And that's going to be very, very tough against someone as experienced, as battle-hardened, as good as Max Holloway. Yeah. If you have, if you have like serious knockout power and you go balls to the wall in the first couple of rounds, like you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna get a lot of finishes. But he doesn't re- like, you know, for all the shots he's landing, he doesn't seem to have like, you know, this huge power or anything. He definitely doesn't hit, doesn't hit soft or anything like that. But mm. doesn't have that one know, punch KO. Power yeah, or... yeah. And if he did, it would be a different story, and he could just kind of go out and just try to decimate people, and it would probably work. But if God you know the first guy he fights in a in a main event five rounds is probably going to be a good guy and he's probably going to know that look at his fights and see that if you can drag him into deep water that's where he's going to that's where he's going to have his best chance yeah 100% uh, alright moving on there's some other cards at the weekend uh, KSW the card didn't get a chance to watch yet but maybe we'll get our boy Sean Dini to, <laughs> to write a review of it or something I know he's down in Cork as well so maybe he hasn't watched yet but uh, uh, Anton Rakic got a win over Damien Stasiak uh, Boris Minkowski won via Anaconda choke and uh, uh, your boy uh, Maritz Pujanowski defeated Erko Goon in, in the main event there so a good win for uh, a good win for uh, the, the world's strongest man there as well uh, Bellator had a card uh, as well uh, John Salter defeated uh, Castillo Van Steensen by unanimous decision uh, King Mo your boy your wrestling coach retired after he lost to uh, Andrew Capel can't looking forward to his next one, King Mo. Leslie Smith lost her second fight in a row <laughs> against. Do, do, do people? Do you think people still? Most people don't know what we're talking about when we we randomly bring up that King Mo thing. No, they don't. God, tell the story. Go on. We might as well. We're basically, we were in what was it the Green Isle Hotel? We were in a hotel in Dublin and the fight after the fights and uh, just talking about him, uh, King Mo and his coach were going through some. King Mo had fought that night, I think, pretty mm-hmm. sure, and you're going through some moves and I was just kind of asking questions about it. And then he was like, I'll show you and started doing wrestling to me and just like bouncing my tailbone off the <laughs> bounce my tailbone off the like wooden floor and I was in bits for weeks. You know, when you hit your tailbone, you mm. can't even sit down or lie down. Oh, it was terrible. But uh McGrath no McGrath had made yeah. like a there was actually more to the video and he, he took years to actually reveal the video to the public. So it, um <laughs> but uh yeah, basically there's a video somewhere of me getting dumped around the place in a in a hotel by King Mo. Mm, always a good always a good one to have, yeah. <laughs> King Mo's one of those lads as well. As well. King Mo's one of those lads, Both isn't he, that I feel like he could have been a really good fighter, but remember he got that really like bad staff infection. He was out for like a year or something like that, and everything kind yeah, of went wrong. He thought he was a boxer for, for a while and stuff yeah. as well. And he did, yeah, that was a big issue. And he was going to get signed by the UFC at one stage, and it never worked out. Yeah, I feel like King Mo was one of those lads. Maybe you can look back on and think he could have been a good fighter, uh, but it, what, oh, that's wrong. No, he could have been like a really he successful got, he, fighter. Like, he do you think he ever recovered from getting brutally knocked out and that spinning? He yeah. kind of got shut down by Emmanuel Newton like a robot. Like and yeah. like it looks terrible. But like I don't know if it's if it's worse than any other normal KO, but it looked terrible, and uh, you know he has a lot of KO key KO losses at the end of his career, and mm-hmm. like you know we always talk about there's only so much damage you can take, like and if he had been smarter earlier in his career instead of like you know uh, boxing with guys that maybe he could have just easily taken down and won just to kind of prove a point or just to not be that boring wrestling guy yeah. maybe maybe his career would have been different but also you know maybe you know he wouldn't have made as much money <laughs> that is true that is true um, better card as well during the week in uh, in Israel uh, Sergei Haritanov is in the main event of that fighting Linton Vassell that should be a good uh, uh, well 
should be a fight. Uh, Roger Huerta is back fighting here as well. Uh, Austin Vanafort, obviously, Mr. Page Van Zandt is fighting there. And Ireland's own Sinead Kavanagh is back again fighting Olga Rubin after uh, after she beat Leslie Sinton in her, her last fight. That's the second time I've made the same joke in a different way there. Uh, but good to see Sinead back again. That that performance. Bias. Shield. <laughs> Bias Shield, yeah. But that performance against Leslie Smith you know okay whatever way it was judged you can we can argue about that but i think the performance she showed and the cleanness of her striking and her movement and her defensive ability now it might be something you have to adjust because of the way fights are judged after looking at it um but she has very very good skills Sinead Kavanagh hasn't she and if someone like Olga Rubin who's I believe she's 6 and wrong according to MMA Junkie now that might, might be wrong because they're always wrong but that's a, it's a big fight for her if she can get the win here it's it's going to be a tough fight as well but it's good to see Sinead back isn't it yeah like Sinead's obviously an exciting fighter because she you know she's looking to stand and bang and basically what she wants but you know it, we've seen in her past fights that she, she has she struggles sometimes to make weight she needs to sort that out like uh, yeah. you're not going to be pushed towards like a title shot or anything like that if they can't rely on you to make weight um, and you know uh, we haven't really seen we like her last fight against Leslie Smith we didn't really see her ground game at all um, it was basically a stand up war mm-hmm. um, so hopefully you know she's made improvements there because like like her boxing is she can she can hang there with, with nearly anybody uh, on the feet but it's, it's always a concern is is if it goes to the ground and it's you know we haven't really seen recently but I'm sure she's trying to improve that and working on that in the gym so uh, there's definitely like a, a a blueprint there to beat her with, with that, but you know, it, it's just hard to know where where she's at on the ground, and, and it's it's hard to know if um, if she's going to make weight. Like, so you, you need to sort these things out if you want to be pushed towards the title, and if you want to, you know, it's 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 really, it's, it's terrible for her really because I think most people. Most people like scored that fight against Leslie Smith, and mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty clear, like uh, to to nearly everybody, that she won that fight. And there hasn't really been that many terrible decisions recently. Yeah. And she's kind of been at, at the, the, you know, it's, it's it's unfortunate for her. She had a couple of these in her in, in the past as well. Like so, uh, Sinead just needs to to make weight and she uh, consistently, and she can't make weight. She needs to move up and then. Um, once she's done that, then she can start kind of going towards the title because you just UFC is the same. If, if you're not making weight, you, you can't be pushed towards the title. You can't be trusted to make weight. So she needs to sort that out because the like she's been in some exciting fights and they they have some good highlight reel reels there. I'm sure they could they could like you know put on a big woman's title fight in Dublin with her if yeah. if they could rely on her to make weight. So she hopefully she sorted that out like and you know. Uh, Hopefully she can sort it out. We see with people like Kevin Gaslam that like maybe they actually can sort this out. Like it's just gonna happen from time to time, and uh, it just uh, hinders your performance uh, as well. Like having to try and make this weight desperately yeah. every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that's definitely a thing. But like I feel like in that last fight as well, she showed that the way she fought was kind of. Maybe not defensively, but fighting off the back foot is a good way of actually stopping someone from taking you down. I always say, you know, when you're fighting with your back against the fence, jab out. And she did that very, very well. Now, she has to find the balance between the judges. Yeah, and always and be a moving target out. as well. Yeah. Like, you know, don't just stand in the pocket. Like, yeah. it's, so it's, she, it's, I feel like... better at that. Like. Yeah, if she can find that balance, it, it'll, you know, it, something will click for her as well. And I, I think, uh, I think she... You know, still there's still a lot of uh, a lot to come from Shanae Kavanagh. Um, right before we move on to this UFC, the, the last thing uh, I believe the I'm after starting as well this year uh, or this week. Sorry, uh, Ireland singing singing over a big team, obviously Northern Ireland and, and Republic of Ireland as well. I tweeted out the teams there a couple of weeks ago, so I'll, I'll give it a retweet there again during the during the week, and you can see all the teams. So best of luck to everyone going out there. They always you know they always do a good job uh, out at the IMF, the Irish team. And last year I don't think was the, was the best year from a year before they did it fantastic as well. So you know we talk about Irish. Irish MMA and the kind of the new pros coming through but the amateur scene as well is something that maybe has struggled over the last while because it's very hard for amateurs to get fights and and everything like that you know which we've talked about at nauseum at this stage but um you know it's great to see a big team going out there as well and best of luck to all the the trainers and the coaches and, and the fighters going out there so fair play to them all right yeah let's move on to the uh ufc car before we go uh some actually really good fights in this uh your boy hinnenborough the monsters fighting douglas de silva and second car from the bottom uh randy brown a second on warley alves 
Uh, Francisco Trinaldo's fighting Bobby Green, which is a fight I feel like it's already happened, and this is a rematch, but it m might not be. Um, James Kraus is fighting G uh, Sergio Moraes, which is a pretty good fight. I like that. Um, then we have other lads I've never heard of. Charles Oliveira versus Jared Gordon. Very good fight. Actually, Dan Antonio Rojo, I think he fought once in the UFC before, and he looked good, so I'll keep an eye out for him. And then the, the two big fights, Paul Craig versus Shogun Hua. What you didn't get at? Is, is Paul Craig just going to get beat up for like a round and a half and then submit Shogun? Uh, yeah. No, I think Shogun, like, Shogun's been around and taking a lot of damage, but I think, I think, like, Craig, he's very good grappler, but I think uh, on the feet, he's just going to get destroyed here, surely. Yeah, but. He's a. Chill, Solomon yeah. submitted Shogun. Well, what, what, yeah. What shape will Shogun be in? Yeah. Like he's uh he's had a lot of injuries even early in his career he was injured a lot like and takes his toll and a lot of time in there a lot of a lot of big punches from big guys yeah but like Paul Craig doesn't really take a punch as that well uh, either um I just I uh, Shogun surely have too much here I think yeah I I probably pick Shogun but I wouldn't be one bit surprised at all if Paul Craig caught him in a triangle or something <laughs> and submitted him that's the kind of guy Paul Craig is and he's you know you used to always mention about Verdun before just like take a punch go down and then catch him in a triangle I think Paul Paul Craig has a bit of that in him as well but yeah I'm looking forward to that fight it's pretty 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 intriguing fight and then um <clears throat> Jan Bakovic takes on Jacare Souza as he moves up to light heavyweight um it's it's an interesting fight as well. Like, yeah, do you see, Jan Blakovich is a huge favorite here. Not a huge it? favorite, but a big favorite. Yeah, like, like Jackery. Like, you know, a couple of fights ago, you could have made a case from getting a, a few fights ago, you could have made a case from getting a title shot. And Jan Blakovich is kind of just a middle of the road guy, and he, how quickly things can change. Like, you know, maybe we underestimated kind of European guys sometimes, or mm -hmm. these kind of guys that we are European but not on kind of our scene of the UK and our scene that we see maybe if he was on if he was fought more in that scene we would we would have much more hopes for him or hype behind him but you know he's he's worked his way here uh, there's no doubt about that like it's 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 a huge fight for him but like Jack Ray is, is it's it's I, I I don't know like I I see this as a fifty fifty fight I, I don't know who to choose here I definitely I definitely tempted by those those odds on Jack Ray. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree. I probably just pick Blakovich. I, I think Jacare's best days are a little bit past him. Um, I think he kind of took the last fight lightly, though. I don't know. Like yeah. he didn't seem himself. Maybe it's he's over the hill now, but maybe it's not. Yeah, some you know sometimes it's just a light switch for the lads, and they feel like you know Wayne Rooney, Fernando Torres. We see in sports all the time. It's just something happens and they're gone. Now it might be that case for Jacare. He might come back again, but I don't know. I feel like. He, and Blackovich is good, like, he's, he's not a great fighter, he never was, and, you know, Jack Ray was touching being a great, great fighter at one stage, um, so, like, him and yeah, his Yeah, he's prime, 40 as well, in fairness. Yeah, so that's the thing as well, I'd, I'd probably pick Blackovich, but if it's a big, if he's a big outsider, a 2 or 3 to 1 or something like that, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind betting him at all, because I think it's it's close to a 50-50 fight, but, yeah, looking forward to that, it should be uh, it should be fun anyway. Right, one or two questions here before we go, Christopher Graham, would you like to see Yair versus Zabit next? That's a fun fight, isn't it? Yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a really fun fight. I think, you know, he wouldn't have it all his own way. Uh, we 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 get a lot of questions answered about to be if that fight wasn't happening. I think, you know, maybe maybe uh, my early goal would be to pick against the beat in that fight if it was a five round main event. Mm -hmm. Uh, against Yair, yeah, it's, maybe yeah, it'd be an interesting fight though. Yeah, Yair is tough as well as you said; he can take a lot of damage, so that'd be. He can put out a lot of output for uh, for, for five rounds as well. He can, yeah, he's proven that as well. So yeah, that's a, a good fight. Uh, Owen Cull asks. Uh, they said on on the commentary that Rocco Martin put twelve grand on himself or won twelve grand on himself by uh, uh, by betting. Uh, but you're not betting yourself at all. Are you not? He asked that. I I, I thought you were. Were you not? I don't. Know. I thought you weren't uh, like. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's different. But in other sports, you're 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 not allowed. Oh, yeah, yeah other sports are definitely not allowed. But I think you're allowed betting yourself in in MMA. I'm not sure. Maybe it's something. I'll, I'll send the I'll send the question to Paddy Bauer. See if the see if they answer it. A few people actually have asked. Um, like, could you bend yourself third round and then kind of drag it out in a, in a can yeah, fight? That's the thing. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that is the thing. And that, that's kind of the next question. Ian O'Neill asked. I think Andrew Harvey asked it as well. And I answer all the rest of these questions on the on the Q and A as well on Tuesday. Sign up patreon.com forward slash Do you think Volkov took a li little bit easy against um, against uh, Greg Hardy at the weekend? Um, no, no, I think he probably was wary of like you know ending up on bottom under under 
under a big guy and, and Volkov doesn't really do well on his back mm-hmm. um, it's probably more that than it's probably more in the game plan not to overcommit to anything really or not to rush in yeah, yeah, too much. Ah, rush in, <laughs> rush in. <laughs> Rick and Marty's back tonight. You're looking forward to it. Literally, I, I've been told by so many people I need to watch it and that yeah. I'd like it and I'd love it, but I just haven't got around to it's, it. Yet. It's definitely your sort of program. Just get a shitload of weed, smoke it, and then start watching it, and you watch it all. What, what, are you, like... what are you trying to say? Relax, you, Paul Williams. <laughs> For all, for all, there was some fucking. Do you know the? Oh my god, it was so funny at the at the venue last night. The they banned beer for some reason. There was no beer being sold or anything. You couldn't bring in beer, but and you uh, can't trust a culture with a beer. Come on. Yeah, everyone I talked to was like, I went into the Thailand. It was full of naggins. <laughs> the whole place is just full of naggins. Everyone just brought, that's actually a good thing. Ban beer, so everyone will just bring their own drink. It'll cost them way less money to get fucking twisted inside of the and the Vince. So it's a win. It was really a win win. Yeah, and get way more twisted on spirits than beer as well. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Right. This was a good podcast. A long one. A lot of talk. I'm sure we'll we'll hear back from <laughs> some of the people we talked about when it usually happens with uh when Irish MMA cards come around. But you know what? It wasn't a, it wasn't a bad weekend overall. Uh, thanks everyone yeah, for listening. It was listening. a great weekend for sport in general, wasn't it? Liverpool yeah. winning. Man United looked mm-hmm. actually Man fantastic. United ones are happy. Yeah, but they actually look great. Man United over the last few weeks, apart from that one loss, have actually looked good. They've been enjoy- not great, like they haven't been all oh, your brilliant, but they've actually been enjoyable to watch, which we haven't hasn't happened in years. Like, so it's great. I'm I'm happy with it. You know, I'm I'm happy enough enough now not to hate watching Man United. So it's, I'll take it. There you go. Right. <laughs> that's the end of the podcast as my voice breaks here thanks everyone for listening sign up patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast look at all our videos over on uh, the youtube severe follow Graham at severe May. shout out to patrick sheehan podrig foreign uh, andy stevenson for covering the card at the weekend uh and uh follow me as well at sean gmba we'll see you all next time and all that's left to do is give the inspiration quote of the week it sounded like i cut that there and started talking again but i didn't i just kept talking yeah it was like i thought you were gonna forget to say yeah, that me quote too. For <laughs> i almost did i almost did but here we go and this quote is appropriate simplicity i fucked that up <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in. i'm leaving it in. i'm gonna keep going simplicity is not a simple thing we'll see you next tuesday or sunday or monday <laughs>